Hello and welcome to Healthcare Perspectives 9th Podcast. In this episode, we have the chance to talk with Dr. Debbie Nafakis, Psychologist and Associate Director in Counseling at the Student Wellness Centre, as well as Associate Clinical Professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Neurosciences at McMaster University. In this podcast, Debbie shares her unique career path that led her to psychology. We also gain insight regarding the challenges and rewards of working as a psychologist, along with learning about what good interprofessional teamwork in the field of mental health may look like. Lastly, we hear Debbie's advice to prospective healthcare students. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are thrilled to have you here with us. Uh, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your career journey and how you've come to where you are today? Thanks, Melissa. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk about how I got here. My journey has been quite interesting, and it's definitely not very linear. So I think that will be perhaps of interest to people. I started off my undergraduate studying psychology at McGill University in Montreal. I've always loved psychology and always have had a fascination uh, with people, with what makes people tick, what makes them do what they do, think what they think, why are they doing this, why do they think this way. Always read a lot related to psychology and um, that kind of literature was always quite fascinating to me. And I think like many people, many people who sort of enter health professions, I noticed that a lot of my friends would always come to me for advice. I know that's a standard comment that lots of people will say. I was a very good listener even back then without totally understanding the power of listening. So it was quite interesting and never really quite knew why people kept coming to me, but they did. So I decided that I thought it would be interesting after my undergrad to do some graduate work in psychology. And I applied to clinical programs in psychology, got accepted, but I had applied to schools out west. And I'm from Montreal and I'm Greek and I wanted to be close to family. And the idea of moving that far away just felt it just felt like it wasn't the right time and I didn't feel ready to do that. So I did not go out west to do to do that. I decided instead to, on a whim, honestly, because a friend of mine was doing it, to apply to Teachers College at Kingston, in Kingston at Queen's, Queen's University. So got accepted there as well, and then thought, you know what, let's do this. I've always loved teaching, thought it would be a, a nice change for a little bit, and maybe later on go and do grad school. So I, I went to Queen's, and ended up studying their physical education, believe it or not, and guidance. So it was just an interesting experience. And I truly, really enjoyed teaching. I thought that was, um, that might be my calling, I said, I said to myself, I love teaching. So, but what circumstances were what they were at the time, there was a glut of teachers. And so my graduating class I think only about 60% were able to get a job in teaching that year. And so I had to think about what to do. I got, I got a temporary maternity leave to teach in a, in a middle school in Ottawa and thought, okay, well, this is something in the interim as I think of what I want to do. Really enjoyed it. I was teaching phys ed and English. 
and it was middle school and it was fun and I enjoyed doing that but it was temporary of course because it was a maternity leave so while I was there I decided that I would go back to school and do a master's of counseling and since I was living in Ottawa at the time I went to the University of Ottawa and did a master's of counseling there my journey's very diverse <laughs> so you'll see how I end up where I am today so I was um, completing my master's there and while I was there I got a after I finished I got a job working at the University of Ottawa counseling service where I stayed for about four years doing counseling with university students at the University of Ottawa and honestly I loved it and I think that's where my passion for working with university students came from because it was such an amazing environment and I had such a variety of different things I was doing. And then I realized that I really wanted to be a bit more independent in my career and only having a master's degree wasn't giving me the autonomy that having a doctorate in psychology would give me. So I made a decision that year to go and work on a doctorate. I was fortunate I applied to the University of Toronto uh, to do doctoral work in counseling and clinical psychology and was really fortunate that I got accepted right away and it felt right. It was um, an amazing experience and I felt like I had arrived. Um, so while doing my doctorate, I was really lucky to have the opportunity there to have a lot of um, other experiences in psychology. I had a bunch of jobs that I was able to get to get myself through school, not cheap, living in Toronto. And so I got a, I got a job working as a, the clinical, doing the clinical work on a research study on smoking cessation. So I found that was really interesting. So I was, I was not really part of the actual research, but I was the clinical component of it. So that was an interesting experience. And then I got a, part-time job as a counselor at Glendon College, which is part of York University, taking someone's maternity leave. And again, honestly, that's where, again, I was working with university students. I just loved it. It was amazing. And while I was still doing my doctorate, I landed this job at Mac. And I've been so fortunate to have been here for well over, well, almost 30 years I've been here at Mac now. So it's pretty exciting for me. So moving, and I kept moving west, as you can see. I started off in Montreal, Ottawa, Kingston, Toronto, and now Hamilton. Um, so, and I've been here ever since. And while working here, I've had other, also some other interesting experiences as a psychologist. So I have, I have two roles at the university. I'm a psychologist and the associate director for counseling at the Student Wellness Center, but I'm also uh, an associate clinical professor in the Department of Psychiatry and um, Behavioral Neurosciences. So I've had a lot of really interesting experiences. And outside of that, I was hired by the RCMP to, um, to do some assessments on RCMP candidates and people who were coming and to do debriefings for RCMP members who were coming back from war-torn areas around the world where they were doing some some installations so it was really like honestly I feel blessed to have had the opportunity to have such a diverse experience just 
in terms of all the different things I've been able to do. And especially given um, having a psychology degree and being able to do the things I've been able to do. So that's a little bit about me and how I got to be here. Long story short, it was not linear. It was <laughs> very convoluted. Mm -hmm. Well, we're glad that you were able to, to get where you are today and that you love what you do. And you mentioned that you, part of your role at McMaster is a psychologist uh, at the Student Wellness Center. Could you tell, tell us a little bit about what it's like to serve as, as a psychologist there and what are some of the challenges and rewards of, of a career like this? Yeah, so like I said, I love working with university students. So being a psychologist really means help, like from my perspective, it means helping people to, to support them through their transitions, coming into university, getting out of university, um, making life decisions, figuring out how to navigate the usual things that, that um, like day-to-day -day things. But it also means helping students who are struggling with mental health issues, who are perhaps having certain stressors in their lives that make day-to-day -day functioning a little bit more difficult, that make um, doing their academic work a little bit more difficult. Academics in themselves can be just so stressful. And if there are any pre-existing conditions, the academic um, stressors often will exacerbate or highlight some of those issues. And so we really try to, I mean, I see my role as trying to help people to navigate both of those things. How do I be academically successful and and still manage the day-to-day -day kinds of things that are going on and not let the let those stressors interfere, um, let how to manage mental health issues that um, might keep me from being a good successful student. So I think the challenges are really, there's a couple of challenges. I think one of them is that we don't have the amount of resources that we would really like to have to be able to serve the student body in the way we would like to serve them. You know, most people have this picture of counseling where, you know, you come in and you see your, your therapist or your psychologist, and you meet them every week at the same time, or maybe you're lying on a couch and you're talking to your therapist. Like people have these ideas about what counseling is, but it's not always quite like that. And the reality is we can't see people, we, we often can't see people weekly. And that's probably one of my biggest frustrations. However, we do see students as frequently as we can. And part of what we um, we're working on is helping them to develop the skills necessary to be able to manage whatever happens to be going on in their lives. And so that is like so rewarding when you kind of see the light bulb go off on um, when someone goes, oh, that was so helpful and that was so, so important. So it's very satisfying that way. I think the rewards are seeing people blossom and, and feel better and be successful. Okay, so thank you, Debbie, for spanning and highlighting on the challenges and rewards of a career in counseling. From our understanding, counseling can be very diverse. So you, you've talked a little bit about counseling in the setting of student wellness and, and universities, but there's also counselors who work in um, mental health, in marriage counseling, uh, rehab, um, and presumably some of the, the major differences involve working with different populations of people. So we were wondering whether you could provide us a little bit of insight into these different fields. 
Sure, there are a lot of different fields in psychology. If someone's choosing to go into this as a profession, it's kind of like finding a specialty. I mean, you could be in child developmental psychology, you could be in family couples counseling, you could be in industrial organizational psychology, you could be a school psychologist, you could be a clinical psychologist like myself, or rehab, like there's lots of different ways that people can specialize and use their psychology experience and knowledge to sort of help people. All of the bottom line is we're helping people, children, young people, old people, the, that's what some of the differences might be. But there's also differences in theoretical orientation. So people might be attachment therapists or cognitive behavioral therapists or psychodynamic therapists. So there's also that kind of training as well. And, and if you can imagine a grid where all of those things mix and match. And so it's really interesting because the programs themselves are very holistic. When you go into a graduate program in psychology, you're kind of learning a little bit of everything. And then when you do placements and internships, that's kind of where you start to see the divergence in people's preferences and their interests and where they're going to probably end up working. So for example, if you go into school psychology, you're doing a lot of assessments for learning disabilities, for, for attention deficit, for developmental disorders. And so there's a lot more of an assessment component when you're in a school psychology program versus let's say a clinical program where you're doing more psychotherapy and you're helping people with mental health issues to, to sort of learn how to manage those versus industrial organizational psychology where you're actually working in a company and you're helping with recruitment and you're helping with, again, using assessments and helping to create high functioning teams perhaps or something like that. So, or forensic psychology where you're sort of helping to sort out why is somebody behaving this way and how can we help someone who's been criminally charged to, to deal with whatever the issues are that arise as a result of making those choices in life. So there, there is a lot of variety and a lot of different fields that people can choose when they're in a program, when they're in a broad program like psychology. You know, at the undergraduate level, you kind of go in there and it's this big, broad psychology and everyone takes, almost everyone takes first year psych and you got like what, 2000 students in a class in the first year. And then it starts to sort of, you know, get smaller and people start to find their interest niches. And, um, oh, and I forgot to mention research. So there's a lot of research psychology out there as well. So for example, McMaster is known for its research in psychology. They're now creating a clinical program. So that's brand new at Mac. We never had clinical programs here before. So um, yeah, so it, there's a lot of different ways you can use psychology and use it in, in practice. So now that we've discussed some of the different types of therapists that there are within the field, we'd like to move the conversation to more so learn about interdisciplinarity. So from an interdisciplinary healthcare team perspective, how do therapists work with other health professionals to help patients? So maybe some of you don't realize, but the Student Wellness Center is an interdisciplinary team. So we work with, very closely with uh, doctors and nurses and 
um, psychiatrists and even within the counseling team, we have two psychologists, we have psychotherapists and we have social workers. And on our team, we also have a naturopath and a mental health nurse. So we're pretty diverse at the Student Wellness Center. And I think we're a really good example of how uh, teams work together to help and support people. So students can enter either way. So some people don't want to see a counselor necessarily. They want to see their family doctor and they want to talk about their mental health issues or their is whatever issues they have only with their physician and they don't want to go to counseling and vice versa. Some students don't want to talk to their physician about their mental health issues, but sometimes the students needs and the approaches will overlap. So there might be times I'm working with a student who might be presenting with a very like not just a mild depression but maybe something that's a little bit more concerning and I will see a need at that point for a medication consult or even if there's more more serious kinds of concerns like bipolar presentations I might need to consult with the family doctor and the psychiatrist. So this is where we really work collaboratively and interdisciplinarily. So I might make a referral to the physician, I might send them a note explaining um, my concerns and what my recommendations might be. Equally, they will do the same back. So they might make a suggestion that the student continue with counseling while they're starting on their medication. In our healthcare system, we cannot none of the counseling team can refer directly to psychiatry so we have to refer to a physician so the physician refers to psychiatry only uh, physicians can refer to the specialties and psychiatry is a specialty um, so then we might work collaboratively the three of us the three different professions to sort of support the student and the more the better the communication is amongst all the people of course, with the, with the consent of the student, we would never do this without. The more, better the communication is, the better the support the student's getting. So we're not giving mixed messages, we're all on the same page, and the student feels truly supported by the full team. So in the hospitals, you will find a lot of social workers on the different floors of the hospital working with, with patients, and they have the added benefit of sort of the more social aspects of a person's life, being able to make the connections to resources in the community. Um, that's not to say psychologists and psychotherapists don't do that as well, we do, but that is a big part of the training is to see the patient or the client in the context of their social situation, whereas psychology really focuses on the individual psychological parts of the person. So. It's kind of interesting. There's, a, I think, a little bit less of a, a boundary now as everyone is sort of doing a little bit of all of it. Thank you so much for sharing. So another question that we had was, how do you think interdisciplinarity between therapists and other health professionals can be improved? And so you did briefly comment on communication, how that's important, and maybe that can be a factor to it. But if you have any other comments or thoughts on that. That's an amazing question, and I'll tell you why. Because there is a lot more need for different professions, different disciplines to sort of work more collaboratively. I think in the past, we really were a bunch of silos, and it's really important to start thinking about how we complement each other because everything that we're contributing 
like each of the different areas contributes a part of the whole. And I think it's important to be able to communicate that. But on top of that, I think there needs to be respect for each of the different areas. So every area needs to understand, respect the other person's discipline and knowledge and expertise and to respect the contribution that that makes to the bigger to the bigger picture and I think that's happening a little bit more now training in healthcare professions is sort of focusing a lot more on being more interdisciplinary on the need to be able to to sort of work with others in different fields in different disciplines to uh, for the betterment of of the client or the patient. So respect and communication. So thank you so much for sharing your story and your perspective. We'd also like to ask, what advice would you give to undergraduate students who are trying to figure out a career in healthcare? And I think you'd be a perfect interviewee to answer this because you, your journey has definitely been so unique and you've gone through um, different routes to get to where you are today. So yeah, we wanted to ask you this. I mean, I love this question because everybody sort of goes into their undergrad and they go, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to be there and my life is set. And that's lovely, but it's not necessarily realistic. <laughs> Things happen in life and opportunities present themselves. And I think if we're really stuck on a path and we're not looking at opportunities that present themselves, we actually miss out on some pretty cool experiences. So like, I'm going to use myself as an example. All of the different things I did to get to where I am were decision points that were kind of different from where the original plan was to go. I mean, my plan was to go become a psychologist, but I did a bunch of different things in between because certain opportunities presented themselves. And I don't regret any of those twists and turns to my path because all of those have sort of added to my my experience my knowledge base my approach i think that when when something happens and i and maybe maybe some of you have heard of the theory of planned happenstance but the idea is if something presents itself or you're having a conversation with someone and it's completely random and they make a suggestion about something or they offer you an opportunity and it wasn't part of your plan and you say, yeah, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna entertain that possibility, then you are risking giving up a possible new direction or a possible new experience. So I'm not saying you should jump at everything, but I think it's important to entertain different opportunities if they are presented to you because often that's how people end up doing some of the neatest things in life because they've taken a chance and they've you know said yes to something that might not have been part of their original plan i've ended up doing exactly what i intended to do way back when but i did it in a different way i took a bunch of different routes and at the end of the day i ended up in the same place i wanted to but that's not necessarily everyone's journey. So yeah, I think sometimes, the other thing I was gonna add about this is that sometimes in the worst times when something you really wanted doesn't happen or you're rejected or it's, you know, it, you know you're not given that opportunity, 
um, people feel totally devastated and they feel like their life is over and they can't think of other options. And then they sort of end up somewhere else and they will, some people will actually say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm over here doing this thing and it's so much fun and it's um, so interesting. And I would never have thought of that if I hadn't not been accepted here or if I hadn't lost that job or whatever it is, right? So there's always a different way to approach everything and the attitude and the perspective that we take can make all the difference in the world. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Debbie. A little bit about what undergraduate students can do to discern a career in healthcare. Are there any things that students can start doing to build the skills they need to pursue a career in healthcare? So again, I think it's about opportunities. I think it's about if you're really interested in something and you're really genuinely wanting to explore and know more, I always think it's important to be aware of what are the different areas in healthcare? What are the different things that are out there that I could possibly be interested in? It's not just medicine. There's like a ton of allied health professions and there's a ton of other um, opportunities in, in similar areas. But I think what's really important and, I, and it's, it's kind of like doing informational interviewing. It's kind of like saying, I really need to understand what the day-to-day -day job is like. You know, I think a lot of people idealize what medicine is, what the day-to-day -day responsibilities of a physician are. And, you know, for a lot of days, it's kind of boring. And so unless you really spend some time, I mean, there are other days when it's amazing, but unless you spend some time talking to somebody, finding out what they like and what they don't like about their job, finding out what the good things are and what the challenging things are. I mean, every job has parts of it that are horrible. Like, I love working with students. I hate charting, okay? I have to chart. It's part of my job. It's part of my responsibilities as a psychologist. But you know what? What I really like doing is talking to students and helping them. So as a physician, as an OT or a PT or a social worker, whatever it is, there's always going to be things you're going to like and things you're not going to like. And so I say be duly informed. Go talk to people. Make, um, make appointments to meet with somebody for an hour. Buy them a cup of coffee when you can, when we're back in person. Um, buy them a cup of coffee and sit down and have a chat about their, what they do every day and you know what they're interested in and don't just pick the one thing you're interested in look at a bunch of different things that you never thought about do some do some like just it's kind of like doing research and finding out about what's out there the other thing i think is also making sure that you're following the things you're interested in but also the things that your personality is best suited for as well so I recommend to, to almost everyone to go and get some career counseling if you've never had that and do some of the testing. Um, not that that's going to tell you what to do, but it helps people to sort of say, oh, okay, you know what? I'm this kind of person. The idea is really to sort of know yourself, know who you are, what your skills are, what you're interested in, um, what your personality is best suited for. So all of these things help to prepare you 
to kind of make those choices down the road to figure out the path you want to go on. There's lots of ways to find out about yourself. Be reflective. Like spend time thinking about these things. Talk to your family. Talk to people who are doing interesting things and find out how they got there, why they went that way. Thank you so much, Debbie. And I think what you said really resonates with us as well, because um, part of the mission of our podcast is exactly that, to sort of highlight the journeys of people who have been through the healthcare system and finding where they fit in as, as a healthcare worker. So thank you so much. Our last question for you today, Debbie, is what are some resources in uh, schools and or within the community that students can refer to for career assistance? So there are, well, just at McMaster, we have the Student Success Center, which has awesome career counselors. And you can go in and get some support there. Um, they're always ready to help students make decisions and find out about themselves and figure out where they want to go. There's also career counseling within the community if you can afford to pay. There's, you know, private counselors who do this work in the community. There's lots of things that you can do on your own as well. Um, reading some books. In the past, there was a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? Um, nowadays, we were sort of referring people to a book called Designing Your Life, um, which is an amazing book by Bill Burnett. So, you know, there are lots of things you can do on your own. There's lots of things you can do with, well, definitely on the internet, there's like a million things you can do. You can do some self self-testing uh, on the internet, find out things you're interested in, and then you can get the support from the Student Success Center. They can refer you to different online assessment tools, books you can read. If you go to Amazon and you just click in career counseling, you're going to get like a hundred thousand different links to books and things. So there's no shortage of information out there for career assistance, but honestly, you're the best resource you as an individual, when you sit and reflect on who am I, what do I like, why do I like this thing that I'm saying I like, where did I get this idea, this is what I want to do, and what are some of the things about me that would complement that as a journey for myself. So it's really just, I mean, there's some concrete resources, like I've said, but there's also that reflective component that's so important in that journey. That concludes all our questions. But that was a very, very insightful interview. Thank you so much for being a guest for us. Um, we're excited to share this with the rest of the students. I think they will definitely learn a lot from it. And yeah, it was just, it was great to be a part of. Thank you so much. I want to thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. I was nervous coming in, but it actually was a lot of fun having this conversation. And I love talking about my journey because I know it's not conventional and and I just want to say, you are where you need to be, and you will always end up where you need to be. And I think people just need to relax. You're going to get there. So thank you again. <laughs>